0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by
1: N2K.
2: The trick to stay ahead of this is to never think of security as a destination, it's always a journey.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and the criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. We got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, my conversation with Richard Torres. He's from a company called Syntax, and they've been tracking phishing attacks, and they have seen a increase during COVID-19. That's part of our conversation. Lots to talk about with him, so we'll look forward to that. Joe, I'm going to kick things off this week. This was a new one for me. So, okay. Uh, this was uh, courtesy of a Twitter user. His name is Oliver Howe. I want to say his last name is pronounced Howe. It's H-O-U-G-H. Uh, I apologize, Oliver, if I got that wrong. I like in his uh, Twitter description, he uh, describes himself as an internet dumpster diver. <laughs> well, it sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah, uh. that sounds interesting. <laughs> but uh, one thing he highlighted uh, on his Twitter feed was evidently, there are just rampant over on YouTube scams involving live streams and uh, gift card scams. Huh. So here's the way it works. Uh, I actually have brought up a YouTube live stream and uh, Oliver points out in his Twitter feed that all you have to do is go over to YouTube, search for giveaway and apply a filter that only shows you live streams and you will see dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of live streams that are taking part in this scam. So that's what I did. I went over there and uh, brought up a live stream. And this live stream is uh, a bunch of people playing a first person shooter. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't recognize it. Joe, perhaps you do. I put a link in the I'm looking. Oh, this is Fortnite.
0: They're playing Fortnite.
1: They're playing Fortnite. All right. I should have known that.
0: Because <laughs> there's so, a guy on his hands and knees. They're playing. They're also playing in a team mode because there's a guy on his hands and knees waiting to be
1: healed by a teammate. I see. All right. So they're playing Fortnite. But over in the chat window, it says, hey, guys, make sure to go here and get your free gift cards. Uh-huh. Huh. And the, uh, the web address for free gift cards is gamingcodes.online. I see that. Now, that's the sponsors. Well— That's what they say. It says on behalf of our
0: sponsors.
1: Right. So what they're saying is, hey, everybody, good news. Because all you people are watching this live stream, and live streams of gaming is very popular. It's It's a popular pastime for the kids today, so I'm told. So when you go to GamingCodes.online, you are presented with the image of a sort of a cartoon image of, looks like a guy in a trench coat who was there to, you know, like the old uh, stereotype of the guy who sort of opens up his raincoat and he's got a bunch of watches. Yeah. Hey, you need inside. a watch. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's that guy. <laughs> right. uh, which, you know, I don't know about you, but to me that might be a little bit of a red flag that this is the kind of, uh, if they're bragging about this being the kind of uh, commerce that they're doing here. But but all right, you go to this site. There's this, uh, this figure here, this cartoon. You scroll down and it offers you a whole selection of different kinds of gift cards that you can uh, choose from. And it says, uh, we generate these codes for these gift cards So just for fun, I selected an Apple gift card, and then you can select what value Apple gift card you want. So you could get a $25 gift card, a $50 gift card, or a $100 gift card. I'm not a particularly greedy person, so I selected a $25 gift card. Okay. (laughs) So what happens next, so let's say you select, I want a $25 uh, Apple iTunes gift card, right? Right. Up pops a screen that shows you uh, a very compelling animation, let's say, and it says... You know, part one, uh, generating codes. You know, part two, randomizing codes. Part right. three, you know, checking codes. And right. and these numbers are going by, and they're they're cycling through very quickly. And it it has the you know the, the Apple logo, and it says you know we generate these codes. They're they're useful codes. They are guaranteed to work. Blah 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 blah. Right. So you're getting sucked in here. They're they're right. they're, they're taking your time. They're building yep. the anticipation. Right. It, the title, by the way, is Gift Card Rebel. Um, <laughs> So why would anybody uh, rebel
0: against gift cards? I,
1: I, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so what it does is then it generates a gift card code, uh-huh. but it X's out the last four digits. Oh. So Joe, we are getting so close to having our free iTunes gift card here, right? Yes. What do you think is left to do? The final step just to, to get our gift card any our guesses? Payment card information. Well, you're close. Ah. We have to we have to verify that we're a human. Ah. By performing an act. Is it a CAPTCHA? Mm, there is a CAPTCHA, but okay. beyond the CAPTCHA, basically you have to verify you're a human by, mm, you know, signing up for a free subscription to something. Oh, or... okay.
0: <laughs> They're gathering emails for spam
1: addresses, for spam, yes. uh, spam lists. It is an affiliate scam. Right. Yes. So basically what these folks are doing is funneling people towards affiliate signups and they Mm. get who knows fraction of a penny or whatever for every person who signs up. But that's how they profit. And there are tools. uh, Evidently, there's a tool called Nightbot, which is a tool that it, populates your chat windows in things like youtube with whatever you want it to so it can keep that chat window refreshed with hey check out our you know, gaming codes website and it just keeps that at the top so when people come and they join this live stream they keep seeing that and it seems fresh and it seems new and as oliver uh, how points out basically you it's this thing's on autopilot you You download a long stream, you live stream it, play it back, live stream. It doesn't even have to be yours, right? It could be someone else's gaming stream.
0: That was my question is where are they getting the content here? Mm Because these guys actually have their live streams, right? This doesn't look like something these guys do. They have other ways of monetizing this other than scamming people. Yeah. Uh, and as you said before, there. my son watches a lot of streaming of yep. games, but not just that, but he'll watch replays of games like on YouTube. Yes. Um, I would rather just play the game. I don't like watching other people play video games uh, that yeah. I can play just as well.
1: Yeah. So Oliver points out that you download a stream, you configure one of these automatic chatbot things to to populate the chat window with the links. Right. Start the stream playing. And then basically sit back and watch the affiliate money roll in. Yeah. As people get funneled towards the affiliate, and I guess it adds up. And YouTube enables this for free, right? Right. Doesn't seem like they're shutting them down or or isn't able to shut them down quickly enough. Technically... I don't know. Is this a violation of YouTube's terms of service? I don't know.
0: I'll tell you where it is a violation, is if they're using content that isn't theirs, they're, they're stealing someone else's content. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, YouTube could shut them down on those grounds. But the people who own the content would probably have to complain about it.
1: Right, right. Well... Obviously, the bottom line is there are no gift cards. Right. Right. Absolutely not. (laughs) You could could jump through all the hoops. I stopped going down this path at the point where the jig was up and they said, you need to do these things in order to verify that you're a human because at that point I knew exactly what the scam was. But they will keep asking you to jump through hoops. They will say, oh, one more thing. While you're here, you know, hey, how about double or nothing? If you do this other thing, we'll double the amount on your gift card. And, And they just lead you along, lead you along as they generate their. Affiliate money, and uh, it's all a big scam. There is no gift card. There's there's no money. They're just wasting your time, and right. they're making money on their end. Yep, so, there is money. Uh, it's
0: just not your money.
1: Correct. <laughs> Somebody else correct. is getting. It. Someone else is getting that money. So that was new to me. I wasn't aware that they were making use of YouTube streams to funnel people towards these affiliate things. So heads up there. Uh, our thanks to uh, Oliver uh, Howell for for pointing that out on Twitter. That was a That's an interesting one. Yes, it is. That's new. I haven't seen it before. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So that's my story. What do you have for us this week, Joe?
0: Dave, I really wanted to talk about the Twitter hack that happened last week. But as of this recording, there's not enough information out there to tell me how this happened and what happened. Yeah. Uh, So maybe next week we'll have more information and we can have a better talk. But we all know why it happened, right? And say it with me, Dave. Money. Money. Right. (laughs) These guys made $100,000 in Bitcoin. Anyway, my story today comes from the great white north, Dave.
1: Take off, eh? Yeah,
0: hoser. Um, (laughs) It's from from Tarnjit Pamar at Vancouver's... News 1311. And uh, for our younger listeners, that's an AM radio station. Oh, Uh, And he's talking about Vancouver Coastal Health warning people of a scam where someone is impersonating a hospital employee. Someone is spoofing the number of a hospital in in their system. It's called uh, Squamish General Hospital. And they've been calling people and asking for information, including their full name, their social insurance number, and their date of birth. Okay. Right? But they're calling from the number— of Squamish General Hospital, they're, they're, or they appear to be right. So they've they're spoofing the number.
1: Wow! Yeah. And
0: VCH Vancouver Coastal Health is saying they have a quote in this article that says, "If you receive an unexpected call from Squamish General Hospital, please don't provide any personal information. No one from the hospital would ask for detailed identification information such as your social insurance number over the phone." And then mm-hmm. they do a really good thing here. They say contact Squamish General Hospital, and they give the phone number. Uh, If you receive a similar call to check its legitimacy, which is a Hmm. great thing to do, right? We say this a lot. When you receive a call and someone's asking for information on an inbound call, say, I'm going to call you right back and call them at a published number. By the way, they say the RCMP have been notified of that. That's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I just envisioned someone going into their office on a horse every day. That's
1: (laughs) those those, uh, very nice red uniforms that they have. Those uniforms are beautiful. I love them. They Uh, look sharp. (laughs) They do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But this leads me to another concern. We live in Maryland. You and I both live here in Maryland. Dave, have you seen the ads on TV that say answer the call and it shows a, a cell phone that says MD COVID on the front of it?
1: Yes, I have. Okay.
0: That is a contact tracing program that we have here in Maryland that every state needs to be running this. It's an important thing. But I saw this and the first thing I thought is somebody's going to get scammed by somebody spoofing that number. Mm. Right. So I went to the web page today and did a little bit of nosing around. The webpage has a lot of good information on it. It has a section on the on the webpage that says, what kinds of questions might a contact tracer ask me? And the very next section, which I think is actually more important, says What kind of questions will a contact tracer never ask, right? And (laughs) in here, they say, Maryland has done a really good job on this website. They say, a contract investigator will never ask you for your social security number, financial or bank information, personal details unrelated to COVID-19. They will not ask you for photographs or videos of any kind. I would never have thought to tell somebody they're not going to ask you for that. I will from now on because that is a great piece of information. Remember yeah. a couple of months ago, we had that story about the woman who got scammed out of sending pictures of her breast for what she thought was a, uh, a research project. Turned right. out to be just some pervert with a hacked Facebook account. Yeah. Uh, they will never ask you for passwords or money or payment. This is really great. All this information is really great here. Uh, I have – Three problems with the website and the ad, though. And mm. if someone from the Maryland government is listening, feel free to contact me about this. First thing is the television ad has to have some kind of anti-scam component. Go check our website to make sure it's not a scam or something. Or you know, We'll never ask you for this kind of information. The ads could be longer and, and cover that because there's a lot of people out there that are just going to see the ad. They're not going to go to the web page maybe even referring them to the webpage for scam prevention. There needs to be a link at the top of the front page of coronavirus.maryland.gov that takes you directly to the contact tracing page. There is no such link. When I looked at it, I couldn't clearly see it, but that link needs to be big and at the top. And you click on it and you go to this this page, which is actually coronavirus.maryland.gov slash pages (laughs) slash contact-tracing. That's too long of a URL to give somebody put a link on the front page of coronavirus.maryland.gov. There's another section on the website that says, how do I know the call is from a contact tracer and not a scam? Is there a way to verify who is calling? And the very last phrase of this section says, there will also be a list of phone numbers that you will be given to verify the caller's identity. Hmm. That's unacceptable. Okay. They, They have a number on here that that's good, but they need to have that list of phone numbers on this webpage. Because if I'm a scammer, I'm going to say, I'm calling from the COVID contact tracing program. And if you want to verify, here's the number, right? I'm just going to give you my phone number again. Right. So you call me back. And now you think that you have, you have called Maryland state government and you've just called the scammer again. So, I mean, I think Maryland's done a really good job here. I was actually pleasantly surprised to see this, but I think they could do a little
1: bit more. You know, the other thing that strikes me about this is that here we are all the way in the year that we're in uh, 2020 and counting, and it is still so easy to spoof an incoming phone number it's a, it's absurd
0: to me that is a systemic problem that needs to be fixed and i'm not familiar enough with the phone system to know what that is but there has to be some way to to fix this yeah. you're absolutely right these yeah. these systems weren't designed with security in mind caller id was designed on an old system where you had physical control of the phone that you were calling from and right. it was it was a piece of hardware that was attached to a a line into a phone building there was no concept of the idea of voice over ip when caller id was designed
1: yeah, it just it blows my mind that uh, this is something we're still dealing with. Even yeah. as, as we've transitioned to, as we cut off our landlines, it's still an issue. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just bizarre. All right, well, it's an interesting story. Uh, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Our catch of the day comes from Cellar Door Games. Joe, is a company you're familiar with? I'm not
0: familiar with this uh, game company. It's a small independent game company. Someone is impersonating them in an attempt to get your banking information, and they are targeting Dave podcasters. (gasps) Those monsters. People they're like that They're coming after us? They're coming oh. after us, Dave. They're now trying it's to get personal. Our, our, yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> All right. Well, let me read. Uh, this is uh, something that they saw posted on social media. It looks like it's something that was, I suppose, posted on Twitter, yes? Yes, it was. It goes like this. It's uh, posted from someone claiming to be from Cellar Door Games going by the name Julia Luge. And uh, it says, "Hello, I'm the manager of Cellar Door Games. Our project, Rogue Legacy 2, is an action indie game in which the player gets into the exciting world of adventure. In which he has to fight with the bosses in order to survive, settle down and start a family, or continue his journey. Here, everyone is unique, individual characters with their own characteristics and abilities. The start of our game is very soon, and we want people to know about our game before its release. You can see our website on the internet." For a video that is more than 30 seconds, we will pay you $500. US. If you are interested, let me know. Regards, Julia. Stellador Games has done a great job here, Dave. They have this
0: big picture of it that they've taken, and it says at the top, not us, with a big red circle around Julia, Julia's name. And then down <laughs> at the bottom, it says in big white letters, this is a scam on a black background. <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> so they're reposting that on their own website yeah. to point out to their their fans right that and uh, this is not them
0: that's right and, and people probably who are not fans because this is a small independent game company right mm-hmm. um so if you're if you're a podcaster or a video podcaster or whatever uh live streamer and you get this this offer for 30 seconds for 500 us dollars that would be hard to walk away from yeah i can see where this hook would be or this fish would be uh would be alluring
1: yeah, sure. Play a game, you know, make a, make a little commercial, 500 bucks. Yeah. That's worth my time. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's an interesting one for sure. Joe, I recently had uh, the pleasure of speaking with Richard Torres. He's from a company called Syntax, and they've been tracking a dramatic increase in phishing attacks as we've been making our way through the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's my conversation with Richard Torres.
2: When you look at the way cyber attacks happen, they tend to happen in waves. And it's very much like uh, the the market is changing. People are getting interested in different types of vulnerabilities. And and when I say people, I mean your professional hackers. The folks that look at the internet and look at the World Wide Web and, and the cyber universe as a playground, and they try to determine what's the newest, most exciting way for me to Uh, wreak havoc with some of these companies. And additionally, a way to make some pretty decent revenue if I'm a pretty good hacker, pretty good pirate. And with ransomware, it's essentially taken a kidnapping model and applied some some cryptography to it. I'm going to lock down all your data after Mm -hmm. I've taken a piece of it just to prove to you that I was there and say, look what I got. This is some sensitive information that I'm pretty sure you don't want let out. And You certainly don't want some of your customers to know that was let out. And then I'm going to lock the rest of it down, and I'm going to hold you ransom and uh, say for X number of Bitcoin, I'll give you the keys, and I'll, I'll let you decrypt all your data and use it again. Oh, and I promise I won't share any of this private information with the outside world. What's changed recently is if you say what's changed the last 10 years, 20 years is our Dependence on data, our dependence on sending data from one place to the other to do business. Instead of holding it all internally, we're now putting it in the cloud and we're we're sharing it with other groups. But now with with the pandemic, we're locked down, and folks are staying at home instead of sitting in their offices. So what what that tends to change is people's behaviors and their focus on security. It's easy to walk into your office. When you have a, you have to badge the door, and you you have to be sure that you're following the rules because there are people in the office that are going to hold you to account, and certain things you won't put on your computer screen because you're at work. All those things have changed. Let's, let's face it, we're, we're in our pajamas a lot more now than we are in our office attire, right?
1: Right. Let's dig into to some of the things that you and your team have been tracking here. What what have you seen in terms of the increase in phishing attacks?
2: Now that there's a lot more uh, focus. On working from home and and trying to get people to improve some of those behaviors that could lead to uh, falling for some of these phishing attempts, We're, we're trying to create a lot more awareness of what phishing attempts look like, not just what they can do. Because to the layperson, understanding exactly what it can do isn't as important as understanding how to respond when I see it or how to identify it when it hits my inbox. So we focused a lot and we're we're tracking performance in in terms of how many of these links are people clicking on. Uh, We've deployed some tools that actually send out phishing campaigns that we ourselves control. And we look at how many people will open the email, how many will actually click on the links, and then how many will actually enter their credentials believing that the link they're at is a legitimate site. Benefit of doing this is, is I can actually track specific behaviors i can actually narrow it down to specific people and specific departments and then we provide the training and the education necessary so the tool gives us the ability to kind of test how well our awareness campaign is working so that's one of the things we're tracking very very closely uh, in addition we're looking at you know we we watch all the news and, and and all of the the cyber geeks out there that are that are posting information about new threats and new trends in phishing. We sit down probably once, sometimes twice a week, and we discuss these new trends and, and how they could apply to our teams, to our environments, to our company, We try to get ahead of it. We try to create that awareness that this type of activity is going on, in particular w- with COVID. There are all kinds of campaigns right now being launched by folks like the, the Lazarus Group out of, out of North Korea, for example. They send out fake emails that pose as, actual government agencies that oversee things like emergency financial relief well if you have a small business or you believe you're eligible for some sort of financial relief that topic may be very interesting to you i can sort of lean on that focus you have right now on our recovering economy or on your own financial needs by saying there's coronavirus pandemic relief available to you from this department. And it, it looks very official. So it draws your attention.
1: Is that sort of the, the, the flavor of the month these days? Is is that what, the, what they've shifted their focus to? To take advantage of people's anxiety when it comes to COVID?
2: It absolutely is. It absolutely is. In fact, the biggest shift went from the old Nigerian's banking scam, the Nigerian prince has money for you and you just give him mm. your banking information, to so now, here's a link that will take you to someplace that can get you a free coronavirus testing kit or your local hospital is offering free coronavirus testing. If you sign up here, you get on the waiting list, things of that nature. So now people are using that because they know that's where we're focused. And it looks again, it looks innocent enough and it looks very official. So we click on the link, even if it's just out of curiosity and without knowing it, now we are attached to a a bad IP somewhere and we're downloading malware. Or worse, it looks even more official, and I now have to put in some personal information to maybe purchase my 99-cent coronavirus family testing kit. And I'm giving them all my information, including… credit card.
1: Now, from your experience with the the testing that you do, the messages that you you send out, what what is effective messaging? In other words, if I'm a company and I want to equip my employees to be able to detect these sorts of things, to not fall for these sorts of things, what is the effective way for me to put that message out, to train them? What's the difference between success and failure when it comes to this?
2: You know, Dave, that's a really important distinction that you make there. Because there's two parts of this. There's the education part, which is making sure that your folks are aware that it's happening, aware that, that they are being targeted. You don't want them to ever feel like they are behind a protected firewall where this couldn't happen to them. So being sure that they're aware that they are being targeted and giving them enough information so they can identify what phishing looks like. It could be very, very innocent. It doesn't have all kinds of bells and whistles on it. And you go back to if you are not expecting this type of email or to hear from this particular person or this particular group, you should question it. So reinforcing that from the top down and making sure that it's part of routine conversations, not just one memo a month, is extremely important so that it stays in the forefront of their mind. Now, the, the other part of that, Davis, is making sure you have the right tools in place because there are hmm. there are very good tools out there that, that any company can – reasonably afford uh, you know no before inky cleared in barracuda all of these provide different levels of service and what they will do is they'll screen some of those incoming emails and if something doesn't look quite right if there are links that don't appear right they have this knowledge base built in and it will highlight those links and some of these tools will actually quarantine any attachments or block those links altogether. So that is kind of putting technology on the forefront and in the background, now I'm educating the users. So where the technology may fail, I have defense in depth. Now I have someone who's smart enough to recognize what could be uh, phishing attempts and, and the forms that they could possibly take.
1: I suppose there, there's a, a company culture component to this as well, letting your employees know that, uh, you know, nobody's uh, position is is so insignificant that they couldn't be a target. That you know, defending the company is everyone's job.
2: David, that's that's it's exactly right, and I have to say, from the sealed C- suite down, this is a topic of conversation that comes up frequently, and. It's extremely important that that conversation starts at the top because we look to our leaders in our organization to help us identify what's most critical, what's most important, what is the true company's focus. And they're shifting the culture now to help people recognize that everyone is susceptible to this. Uh, We actually had an incident uh, about a year ago where our chief operating officer came to us and says, I was this close to clicking on that link. And then something Hmm. in my gut said, I better check with security first. And it turns out it was a a, uh, whaling campaign where they were going after the highest levels first to try to get their credentials. And from there, now they can pose as the C-level, the CEO, COO, CFO, and start sending emails using their accounts. So it's extremely important that those of us that work down in the trenches day-to-day are hearing from the very top leaders that this is their focus as well. Do you
1: suppose that the word is getting out? Are, are we getting better at this? Do you think we're gaining ground or are you treading water? How do you, how do you suppose we're doing?
2: Well, it, it sort of feels like that one step forward, two steps back sometimes, because hmm. just as we're becoming accustomed to the type of attacks that we're seeing and we feel like we're getting our arms around it, the hackers are going to find different ways of coming at us. They're going to try to be creative, and keep changing up their game a bit so that no matter how comfortable we get, we're always just one click away from, from falling victim to to ransomware or, or some other sort of attack. We are getting people more focused. And really, from working from home, I think people are starting to get the message because companies are focusing on getting you cyber secure at home and understanding that you are vulnerable and what some of those vulnerabilities are. But the, the trick to stay ahead of this is to never think of security as a destination. It's always a journey. You're always personally growing and, and trying to learn uh, what the adversaries are doing. You have to understand the environment you're working in and that it's always changing.
0: All right, Joe, what do you think? Dave, that was a great interview. I like the way Richard thinks about malicious actors, right? He calls ransomware a kidnapping model, hmm. which, which is great. Great. We have a professor, Tim Leskey who teaches uh, forensics, and he says that computers do not provide people ways to commit new crimes. They just provide new ways for people to commit old crimes. And while I would say that there is a big difference between kidnapping and, and encrypting data, it is the same business model. You've taken something desirable away and you're going to charge to give it back unharmed. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. it's It's the exact same thing, Richard makes a really good point in this interview that is to the end user, impact is not as important as how to identify the fish, and that is a very good observation, and one that kind of you know caught me as something I need to talk about more, right. Hmm. Because we're talking to the general public. It's really not important to them what the impact is. What's much more important is they're the first line of defense Every in, in every situation, in their own personal situation, in a corporate situation. They need to be aware of what a fish looks like more than they need to know how bad it's going to get when they click the link, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was a good observation. The attackers are always getting more sophisticated and going with COVID fishes uh, is nothing new, But we still see the Nigerian print scams, right? So we get the worst of both worlds. We we don't lose those less sophisticated attacks just because more advanced ones are coming along. Yeah,
1: the internet just keeps on giving, doesn't it?
0: Right, yeah. That's right. One of the points he makes is don't feel like you're protected behind a firewall, right? This is a holdover from the old days of InfoSec. Dave, did you ever work at a company that didn't have a firewall on it? We all know— don't feel like you're inside the walls and moat of a castle and feel like you're perfectly protected. These guys come in, email, I've said this before, anybody can send you an email at all. It's one of the few services on the internet that you just receive stuff
1: to your, to your box. Right, 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 right. Your castle wall and moat doesn't do you much good because dragons can fly. Right, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's a great way
0: to say it. Yeah. <laughs> It is everybody's responsibility, and it does start at the top. And I love Richard's story uh, from the COO that the guy was almost caught with a phishing email, the whaling email, actually. There was something in his gut that made him say, something's up here, and he called security. I think this COO should be speaking at every one of the CIOs or CISOs talks where he's addressing the people and telling his story about how he almost got caught. Mm, I think that's mm -hmm. a great story. You know, because it happens to everyone. There's nothing different about any of the people from the from the outside perspective. I mean, yes, if you're higher up in the chain, you're, you're probably going to be more targeted. But if you're lower down in the chain, you're still going to be targeted.
1: Yeah, what a great sign of leadership to demonstrate, you, you know, admit your own vulnerability oh, and absolutely. use that as a learning lesson for the whole team.
0: Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I love this. I love what he says towards the end of the interview. Never think of security as a destination. It is always a journey. You are never going to get to security, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like in life, you're never going to become perfect, right? You're just going to get better. That's what we all need to understand about cybersecurity and any kind of security is we're not going to be perfect, but we are going to get better.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, our thanks to Richard Torres from Syntax for joining us. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. We want to thank the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.